This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, James Fair from Executech comes and joins us to talk to us all about cybersecurity managed services. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipok. Zipok. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the basement of my house and with me today on the phone we have James Fair from Executech. So James, what do you do at Executech and how do I reach you? Hi Justin, I appreciate the uh, invite. Happy to be here. So I am a senior vice president at Executech, which means basically everything's my fault. I take care of the Utah region primarily, which is where we're out of. And I also have a hand in the internal doings and cybersecurity at our environment, just to make sure everyone stays safe and secure. You can reach us at executech.com forward slash cast, C-A-S-T. I would set up a website just for podcasts like this. All right, excellent. So I would imagine that as senior vice president, where everything is your fault, you also get credit for everything, right? (laughs) I try not to, really. It's a leadership belief of mine that I should give credit to uh, everyone who was involved in it and not myself. And just take all the blame instead. That's but actually pretty yeah, good. You know, you make, sure. Sure, make sure that like the people that you know are doing the actual upfront work are getting the credit. And then if something goes wrong, yeah. then hey, sorry guys, my bad. Right? Yeah. Then I, yeah, I should have done. I should have educated you better. I should communicate it differently. Right? So yeah, I, I believe that's the way to lead people. So you know, with that mentality in place, does Executech do something similar? Does it try to take on? The blame when something goes wrong and, you know, give the credit out to their customers and their end users. How does Executech do business? <laughs> yeah. So I'll just to give you the, the spiel, right? We are an award-winning IT services provider. We do IT support, cybersecurity, and cloud services. And we're really about people-first environments. So we got a team of IT people who are, you know, hopefully down-to-earth people, friendly, personable, that kind of thing. And they're really focused on the company's success. So we become part of the company's team. So rather than hey, it's it's us and we're separate. We you know we want to use pronouns like we and uh, our backups are having challenges or whatever. So we want to be just a member of the team. In fact, when I took care of a construction company down here in, in Salt Lake, they added me to their company directory. Right for IT support, you call James, and we get invited to Christmas parties and things like that. So we really become part of the organization's team as well. So they feel like we're one with them. So. We want to come to the table without that attitude of IT is superior and without us, you can't exist. Rather, we know that business is the reason why we're there. What sort of managed services does Executech offer for IT organizations? You know, is it you know strictly cybersecurity? Is it also like storage management? Is it networking? Or is it all of the above? Yeah, it's really all of the above. We want to take care of all the IT needs. We kind of consider ourselves an IT outsource department. So typically, we're in the small to medium business space. That's really our niche market. Folks that know they need IT support, but don't want to hire a full-time person, or they know that there's a challenge when you hire a full-time person because they have only the knowledge of that one person. We've got some 250 techs across the West, so we've got a really broad depth of knowledge and experience that we can call on, even if that particular representative at your organization may not know the answer. He's got a whole team behind him that can. So that's really what we bring to the table. And yeah, we do all you know cloud services. That's a big part of what we do these days. Cybersecurity, we've got a big uh, cybersecurity team internally now that takes care of executive clients as well. So we're doing a lot of cybersecurity offerings. But our bread and butter, where we came from, 
was providing all services. And yeah, it's networking, it's servers, it's whatever folks need in the IT department. I've crawled underneath desks, plugging in cables before, you know, we do it all. So you mentioned cloud services and that's, it's interesting because the way cloud is designed is to kind of allow people to provision their own storage, their own compute. So when Executech does cloud services, how do they convince people that, hey, that's not the best approach, let us manage that for you? Like, how do you <laughs> sell people on that, right? Yeah, I would say for large organizations, we're probably doing primarily migrations, ongoing support for things where it gets challenging. But for the small to medium business space, like those are typically folks who are wearing multiple hats. You know, it's probably dropped on in some financial guy. The CFO does not want to try to figure out how to do, spin up a server and that kind of thing. So in those cases, we're a perfect fit. We want to come in and manage that aspect, take it off their plate so they don't have to worry about it. And it's run by people who are familiar with it, who do this day in, day out. A lot of migrations these days, right? We're going, everyone, not everyone, but a lot of organizations are moving from a, I don't want to say retro, but you know, a server room to a cloud-based environment for all the reasons that you cited. That's an important point there. You know, the migration piece of that is going to be a challenge in, in and of itself. So what does Executech do to help those customers go from data centers to cloud? Like what, and I know you're, you're doing migration services, but can you kind of give me the, I guess the step-by-step process that Executech follows to try to do that? Yeah, that's a really great question. So one of the things we would do is we want to come in and we want to make sure that the organization has an understanding of what they're getting themselves into, right? It is a different beast. SharePoint is not the same as your traditional map to drives, uh, you know, in an environment. So we want to make sure that before they jump in feet first, they know what they're getting themselves into. Uh, we'll demonstrate it. We'll show it. We'll talk about, you know, how things will look differently in the future, what the impact will be what the benefits are, of course, but that's the first step. We want to make sure people really get an understanding of what they're getting themselves into before they commit to this, because it's kind of hard to, you know, to go back once you've done that. Then we'll we'll pick a time, work, work with the organization and pick a time or a weekend typically when we'll make the full migration over. And then we'll bring in a team of folks on Monday morning to make sure everyone's got support, you know, working through the challenges, the changes that go that are involved. So we're going to train the users, show them how to use the new environment. And then kind of stick with them through the process to make sure they're good to go before we kind of release them and say, all right, you know, call us when you need us. Um, or in the case where we're doing on, ongoing IT support, then we'll do a cloud agreement with them where they can use a certain number of hours per month to call the cloud team and have them work with them in any uh, future challenges, issues, adjustments they want to make. So an important part of the cloud is going to be how you secure things. And I would imagine that Executech has a way to approach that as well. So what sort of things does Executech offer in the realm of cybersecurity and securing your cloud environments? That is definitely a facet that's, you know, big upcoming one for all of us. It's really a growing part of our business. So we, we offer what we call our threat detection and prevention or our TDP package which is really built around the idea that a lot of organizations want to be more secure, aren't sure how to get there, and they look at it, it feels overwhelming. So we're going to bring in a combination of services and software and support. You know, we're going to, do, we're going to layer on some firewall, endpoint protection, and these kind of things. So it's not necessarily completing the compliance, but it's getting folks a lot further along that path than they typically would be. I've got a, the story of where if there are two identical cars, one has a car alarm and one does not, the thieves are probably going after the one without the car alarm. So we want to make sure that the organizations we work with have, in effect, a car alarm set up. As far as the cloud security goes, yeah, we're going to set it up. We've got a bunch of scripts we run to make sure it's secure. 
We're going to monitor it ongoing to make sure there are no challenges going on with that. There have been times when we've spun up a server in the cloud and you can immediately see attacks going on, right? People are trying to get logged into it already. So we want to make sure that we'll do an external port scan, make sure all the ports are closed properly. And again, we're going to work with those folks on an ongoing basis to make sure that as they use that, they're doing it in a secure fashion. So I know that top of mind for a lot of these organizations is, you know, ransomware, right? So making sure that you're protected as well as you can recover quickly from a ransomware attack. So what does Executech offer in that realm? Yeah, that is, unfortunately, another growing industry that I'm not a fan of. But uh, one of the things we'll certainly do is want to create some backups, right? Want to make sure we're backing up the right stuff in the right times and that that information is secure and protected. Because one of the things ransomware attackers do, as I'm sure you're aware, is they they try to find backups, they can wipe them out so that you can't recover from those. Uh, There was a situation here, uh, the University of Utah actually got hit by ransomware and they did everything right. They had the proper backups, they did everything by the book and did it correctly. And they actually ended up paying anyway. And the reason was that it wasn't just a ransom attack. Nowadays, they're also exfiltrating data from you. So they stole a bunch of student data and they kind of proved that they had that data. So the, the university ended up having to, I don't know, having to, they chose to pay them in order to not have that student data released out into the public. So one of the things we also want to do is we want to do our best to prevent any kind of exfiltration of data. So we're going to look at, all right, how do we lock that down? Multi-factor authentication, of course, is, a, is an easy win for most folks these days. We're going to set up what we call DLP or data loss prevention. So we're going to look for email patterns, you know, either credit card information, anything like that that's stored in, a, in an email. There's a couple of layers. It gets a little technical from there, but ransomware is a huge business for a lot of these criminal organizations out there. And we are absolutely doing our best to prevent that from being an issue moving forward. I wish we could all band together and stop this from being a thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a growing problem, right? And it's it's really annoying because it's, you know, you you don't really necessarily deserve what's happening to you. And you kind of have to prepare for this thing that you didn't ask for. Um, and it's really just an extortion technique by, by a lot of, it really like, is. Yeah. And it's, unfortunately, it's every industry, every organization, like, you know, back in the day when it first started out, like charity organizations could have a discussion with them and say, look, we're just a charity. And then they would decrease the, the, the fee or whatever you want to call it. They're paying the extortion, the ransom. Um, but I had the, the unpleasant uh, job of going and searching, uh, one of the ransomware attackers, dark websites to see if a company's data had was up for sale. And when I looked through that list, it was it was every organization, didn't matter the size. It was a small gas station, it was a charitable hospital, it was a school. Uh, it was like there was no one who who was barred from that list, right? They just go after anybody and everybody they can. So no one's safe unfortunately. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. Um so you know ransomware is one of those big ones. Um what are some other lesser known but growing problems within cybersecurity? Like what sort of things are you seeing out there that are maybe maybe aren't getting as much press and as much notoriety that are definitely problems still? Well, it will, it continues to be a challenge where we've layered on all these layers of protection as far as security goes. We have a, you know, a firewall in play. We have an antivirus program in play. So the attackers know this, they're going after the busy humans. So unfortunately, and you know, we're all busy. We get it. I get it. Certainly I've have had my share of this happen. We're going after the busy users who are, you know, it's 6 PM. They're going through their 200th email and they're just like, oh, I'm so tired of this. And click on something that they shouldn't have. So really we want to educate users. Uh, we'll see, we'll go in and do phishing campaigns. So we're simulating attackers coming in 
and attempting to get them to click on things or enter their credentials. And we'll give them a report on that. And we'll show them, all right, you know, here's the percentage of people who, who just opened it. Here's the percentage of people who clicked on it. Here's, and here's the percentage, unfortunately, of folks who actually entered their credentials in there, which would have lend, you know, ended up in attackers having stolen your credentials and being able to attack your organization. So it raises awareness. We see this every time we do a, a campaign like that, that the number of email messages sent to the IT group suddenly spikes because they're like, is this real? Is this legitimate? Should I worry about this, right? And then it tends to taper over time. So I do recommend doing those periodically. And then training the users, um, at least annually, I recommend having a group come in and train your users on how to be more safe and more secure, uh, what to look for in email. So one of the th another thing we're seeing these days is called uh, MFA bombing. So you may have multi-factor authentication set up where you, know, you go to log in and it either texts you or you have an authentic authenticator you have to click on. Um, now they're doing bombing where they may have your login and password and they're trying to get you to just accept it on your phone, right? You get the prompt on your phone that says, click yes, if this is you. And they'll just do it like send it 30, 40, 50 times. And unfortunately, some users are like, man, I don't know what is going on. Fine, yes, just to end it, right? To stop it from blowing them up. But that in fact, just gave them access to their credentials. I, I used to trade in crypto. I don't anymore because I like sleep. But I woke up one morning, uh, like 5.30 in the morning, and I had a wall of password attempt attacks on my phone, right? Those, all these alerts from my Gmail account that I used for trading. And it was pretty scary. I'm like, wow, this phone was the only thing that keeping the attackers out. So I really recommend setting up some, like authenticators can prompt you for a code, uh, especially if you're in a Microsoft environment. So I recommend using uh, Intune and setting up, uh, trying to prevent the, the MFA bombings is what it's all about. If they have to enter a code, then you've, You've prevented that bombing attack, that method. So that's definitely one we're seeing these days. That's probably the highlight, I think. That'll cover the majority of them. Okay. So inevitably, somebody's going to get in, right? It's going to happen. Um, you just have to really prepare for that as an IT organization. Don't assume that your defense yeah. mechanisms are going to kick in and, and stop everything. So once something gets in there, what does Executech offer to organizations to help them recover or mitigate the impact of these attacks? Before I get into that, just real quick, I thank you for bringing that up because that is one mindset I would love organizations to take. Far too many have the belief that, hey, as long as I secure us, we're good to go and I, and I don't have to worry about it. But in fact, it's a much better position to take of, okay, what do we do in the event of, right? So we cr create an incident response plan, have some plan in place, even if it's a simple plan that you know who to call, who to go to, right? Do you have a legal team? Do you have a forensics team? Just have those things ready to go so that you're not long delay in case that happens. Uh, to answer the, the original question, yeah, we do offer teams we can roll out and help in those environments. And we do it, unfortunately, far too often because of ransomware, but that is not an uncommon thing where we'll get called to come out, we'll roll a team out, we'll deploy some change notification software, we'll start blocking things. Anyway, going through an, an incident response plan with those folks and then helping them create one so in the future they have uh, the ability to respond to those themselves. But we absolutely will come in and help folks, and I'll say clean up, but really that's what it's all about is making sure you can recover. Because it can be it can be a long time, right? You've got to stop the attackers, number one. You've got to figure out how you want to recover from the data. You've got to do the recovery. You have to get back to normal operations. Then you have to deal with the fallout from all of that as well. So it's quite a process and it involves quite a few teams. That said, is that part of the messaging that Executech uses when they're pitching their services to these organizations, are you being upfront saying, look, you know, we can only do so much. 
we really need you to understand that these things can happen regardless of what we can do. And then that you need to have a, a contingency plan, a data, a disaster recovery plan, a backup plan in place to recover quickly from this. Because after, after it's in there, there's only so much that Executech can do from a managed services perspective. Yeah. So our team are a bunch of consultants. We call them IT consultants, not IT technicians. And the reason for that is we're having those tough conversations with clients saying, you know, look, I see you're not using any kind of multi-factor authentication. This is not a best practices. And, and certainly there are small organizations who are either not equipped or don't have the budget or just don't feel like it's really something they have to worry about. So we end up in these ongoing conversations with them. We've had, we had one, <laughs> I get to name any client names, but we had a, a, a doctor's office who refused to do things to be HIPAA compliant. And so we finally put together a, a not hold liable form and said, all right, we're gonna, you know, you need to sign this form that says something goes wrong. It's not on your MSP for this. And that woke them up. They're like, oh, oh, we were serious about this. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, hopefully it never comes to that. But yeah, we are having those ongoing conversations on a daily basis throughout all the organizations. And like I teach a compliance class. So I'll teach the the new onboarding IT consultants, you know, how to have those tough conversations with folks and what to talk about. And a lot of the organizations look at that as, at security and go, there's too much. It costs too much. There's just too much involved. We can't do all this at once. There's no way. So what we do is we come in and we offer helping them build a roadmap. So yeah, you may be in an insecure place. We want to get you in a secure place. Let's not try to throw everything on it at once. Let's create a roadmap that makes sense for the organization, for the budget, and put together a plan to move that way. Uh, or as I've mentioned before, we offer uh, a package where we can come in and drop in most of that stuff and take care of that for them as well. So with the, the ransomware and the you know intrusion stuff, what sort of tools are you leveraging at Executech? Like, how are you handling intrusion detection? How are you handling ransomware detection? And how are you handling the recovery? Like, what are you recommending to these customers? Number one, we're putting in a firewall, right? The next generation firewall, deep packet inspection, they call it, where it's digging through every packet, looking through them, making sure there's nothing malicious inside of there. Coupled with that, we're doing endpoint protection with what we recommend is an MTR solution or a managed threat response. So we're actually working with an endpoint provider, you know, a security provider who also has a team monitoring the environment at all times. So we're kind of double covering whatever we can with these organizations. We'll drop in a change management software. So we're looking for events such as a user suddenly became an administrator when they shouldn't have, or a user logged in at 2 a.m., uh, which is unusual for them. So we're looking for unusual behaviors. We also want to drop in some anti-ransomware software. So unlike the traditional antivirus software where someone gets hit by a virus and then everybody else gets the signature to prevent that from happening, anti-ransomware is moving also to, a, and I hope more security tools do this in the near future, moving to a more behavioral-based model where it's looking to see, oh, some files got encrypted. Well, that's not unusual. Some people do that, right? That can be a user thing. But now we're at 50 files or 100 files. Okay, I'm going to stop that process. I don't know what it is. I can't clean it up. You know, the software can't, but it will alert us and say, hey, there's something suspicious going on here. We see a bunch of files get encrypted. So we've stopped the process. So it tends to work with any variant of ransomware as well, because now it's not reliant on a signature. It's looking at behavior. So we're looking at a lot of behavioral-based model wherever we can to help secure the environment. So with this behavioral piece, is it simply user behavior or is it data anomalies? Like, you know, we, we see a bunch of changes to a bunch of files and that's kind of a clue that we, we have something going on there. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's looking for processes that are doing things out of the ordinary 
Why are there suddenly a whole bunch of files changes? Why is this big uh, export happening? Why are a whole bunch of files being encrypted all at once? Those are triggers that will, you know, and maybe sometimes it's a false alert. There's no doubt it happens, but it's pretty, pretty rare, fortunately. I'd rather err on the side of caution in this case because ransomware is just too prevalent. You know, I don't know if you're familiar with what NetApp offers, but we do have similar functionality within the ONTAP software where it's detection of these anomalies. And then what we do in addition to that is, you know, send out a notification saying, hey, there's something going on to our admins. And then we take an immediate snapshot, right? So that we have a point in time before everything gets kind of foobarred, right? So I like um, it. Yeah. So like, you know, it's, it's an all, and it's all automatic. So does Executech have similar mentality? Is there like a, a snapshot that kicks off when this stuff happens or is it, you know, are you simply just advising customers to, Hey, monitor this and, and, and do something once it happens? We're a little different from a traditional MSP. We aren't hosting client data. So we're setting up environments for each client separately. Uh, so it kind of depends on the client. Some are large, some are small, some may have cloud environments, some may not. So I'd like to explore this a little more, if you don't mind, if you could tell me, I know that NetApp does some cloud-based stuff as well. So what is the, you know, tell me about that space if you wouldn't mind. Right, right. So, you know, there's the automatic ransomware detection, which I talked about, which is, you know, detecting anomalies, triggering events, telling your admins, hey, there's something weird going on. We'll take a snapshot so that you have a way to recover quickly. And these snapshots in ONTAP, they take instantly. Once you want to restore from them, you can either restore files directly out of them if you want, or you can restore the entire volume if you choose, right? So you can basically blow everything away. So if something gets entirely encrypted by ransomware, you're not sitting there panicking because you're like, oh, I'll just revert back to this snapshot. Maybe I'll lose 30 minutes of data, but uh-huh. you know that's better than paying $2 million to this ransomware. Yeah, attack, right? for sure. Right. So and that's one aspect of it, right? And then you have the compliance aspect of it. We can replicate to a DR site. So you have an offsite backup, which is always part of that disaster recovery backup plan, right? You want, you don't want to keep everything on site and it's an exact replica of your volumes. And then we have something called snap lock, which is, Hey, these snapshots, not only can you not touch the data inside of them there, it's read only, but the snapshots themselves are locked. And we have a clock that's set on those where, you know, you can't touch them for five years or seven years, whatever you set that to. Right. So that's, that's part of that HIPAA compliance. That's part of the other compliances that you see out there. So, you know, it's, it's really about taking the onus off of the admins and putting it on the software, making the software do the work so that the admins can focus on other things like the actual ransomware intrusion. How do we fix those holes? I like it. Immutable backups are something that I've been exploring recently to see, all right, I couldn't create those. I don't have a great solution at the moment, but this may be one. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. So so that said, I mean, tell me about in a dream world, right? Let's say money's no object. You know, yeah. We can do whatever we want. How does your organization making a complete data protection ransomware secure solution? Like what are they doing from end to end? Well, we, uh, you know, security and ease of use tend to be the opposite ends of the spectrum, but uh, we would remove admin rights from your average users, right? So, and that's a challenge that we have internally because we are deploying technicians who need to be able to, you know, use all the suite available to them on their devices. So, and we are using tools that are often used in ransomware environments. So we get alerts, right? Someone's using a rootkit scanner. Well, yeah, part of our job would be using rootkit. So uh, it has been a challenge for us internally to attempt to roll out a secure environment where we still allow 
technical system administrators to do their job for their clients. So I definitely use a, an MTR solution. So we'd have a, another party also monitoring the environment because I like layers and layers of folks. So we would have immutable backups that run preferably real time, right? So there's this backup going all the time that, that as you said, can't touch for a certain, for a certain amount of time. It's not deletable. I still like the change detection, the anti-ransom software. We would lock down all ports on a firewall at unnecessary. And yeah, figure out some way that if we detect any of these, it triggers a, a you know, a red alert goes off. Someone hits that big red button on the, on the side of the server room and all the, the backups stop or it takes a, a sudden snapshot because we do not want to overwrite the data that we have already out there. It sounds like you're talking about ONTAP. I'm just saying. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah, there are definitely some large organizations we work with where I that would really make me I, be able to sleep better at night. That's for sure, knowing that we had that in play. I totally didn't plan it. I mean, I was like, hey, perfect solution. And then you're like, hey, <laughs> it's basically what you just said, and it happens to be on tap, right? Um, okay, but, and, I'm and, looking you know, into this on stuff. There's, there's also like aspects of of NetApp portfolio which is beyond the ONTAP piece, right? We have cloud native things such as cloud backup services where we kind of approach it from an application angle. Um, NetApp Astro where we kind of handle the Kubernetes data protection side of it as well. So there's a lot there that people may or may not know about that fit into this overall data protection security mentality. And, and really, it's, it's just about getting the word out. So NetApp started as a storage provider, yeah, right? That was yes. the original. Yeah, well, originally, okay. like, yeah, way back, like thirty years ago or so. You yeah, know, I've been in the business a long time. <laughs> it was it was called a filer, right? It was our toaster, right? So okay. like simple, okay. do one thing, serve NFS data, right? And then yeah. throughout the years, it's evolved, and they've bolted on more stuff, and you know, now it's this this you know giant, um, multi-purpose operating system but we also have you know acquired other companies and integrated their ip sure. and that sort of thing um but ultimately you know what they've moved towards is more of a cloud first mentality or hybrid cloud mentality where you can kind of go on-prem or cloud so that's that's really where netapp stands today is kind of we live in both worlds right we understand that it's not going to be all cloud it's not going to be all on-prem we have to be able right. to play in both spaces yeah absolutely that's that's because that's what we're looking at right now is you know, how do we get the speed of being local and have the protection and the accessibility of being cloud and juggling those two uh, depending on the environment. You've seen this with Executech. If you don't adapt and, and just accept that there's going to be cloud, you don't survive. And we, and we kind of touched on right. that earlier where you know people are doing these things on themselves now more often because of cloud. So how does a managed services survive? How does a on-prem storage solution survive? They adapt and they adjust and build the cloud into their overall strategy for providing services. Yeah, with, I read something recently that said only 8% of IT service providers out there are trained in how to do cloud. So it is and it's growing at a far greater rate than 8%, I assure you. Yeah, and, and you know you have to kind of take that into account or you're just going to get left behind. Right? Absolutely. And, and, and cloud isn't just cloud. It isn't just like going into AWS and like creating a, a, a you know an instance, right? It's also learning how to automate, learning how to you know script, how to code. Uh, so yep. you really have to kind of approach it from multiple angles. Yeah, one of the things that we we looked at doing was spinning down VMs in, in the evening when they're not in use to save the client money, for instance. So, yeah, I get the automation and scripting for sure. All right, James. So before we close it out, I want you to give me your top three top of mind security issues that you see out there as it relates to IT organizations. It's I think I mentioned it before. It's really finding that balance 
of how to support a technical team and keep them in a secure environment. So it, it's really a juggling act, right? As you can imagine, MSPs are targets these days because attackers know that if they can get access to the MSP, they have access to the keys to kingdom to a whole bunch of other, other organizations out there, potentially infrastructure organizations and you know critical support organizations, that kind of thing, where they can leverage huge ransoms that they were able to. So one of our tough jobs is trying to maintain security across all of our clients and across multiple platforms because they're all on different environments. They all have a different idea of what security looks like. How do we allow our consultants access to those keys to the kingdom, but only the ones they need to do their job, not all of them should, you know, hopefully never happens, but should one of their credentials be uh, compromised, for instance. And then we've talked about it in depth here, of course, it's how do we protect everyone against ransomware? The, the ongoing threat we all have, we all see today. So those would be my top three. All right. Sounds like a, a good top three there. So uh, again, James. <laughs> Keeps me uh, busy. Yes, right. So uh, again, if we wanted to reach you, how do we do that? Yeah, I'm going to send you the same site, Justin. So it would be uh, executech.com. That's E-X-E-C-U-T-E-C-H.com uh, forward slash cast or C-A-S-T, please. All right, excellent. Thanks so much for joining us today and talking to us about Executech as well as how they approach cybersecurity solutions. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for opening my eyes to the uh, net app options. Yep, no worries, man. That's my job. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or via TechOnTapPodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank James Fair of Executech for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.